the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I am Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Michigan Wolverines men's basketball team ended their season with a 51-49 loss to the UCLA Bruins in the Elite Eight round of the NCAA tournament this past Tuesday. Bruins guard Johnny Juzang led all scorers with 28 points. Wolverines center Hunter Dickinson tallied 11 points, and a trio of his teammates, Eli Brooks, Brandon Johns, and Sean D. Brown, each recorded eight points. Franz Wagner airballed a three-point shot attempt with 11 seconds remaining in regulation, but Michigan still had two more chances to win the game in the final seconds. Mike Smith missed a three-pointer with two seconds left, and Wagner missed a Hail Mary three-point shot attempt at the buzzer. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. Hello, everyone, and I am excited, uh, not only because of the guests we have on the show, but tomorrow we get to celebrate again the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's just a, always great to have have this ch- chance to get people into church. You know, churches are filled on, on Resurrection Sunday, and uh, it's our chance as pastors to give them a reason or at least show them a reason in the Bible for them to keep coming all year long. And some do, and the others we keep praying for. But it's an exciting time for us uh, in the church calendar. Uh, Another thing I'm excited about is there's a certain amount of joy I get when I can go onto a website and watch the liberals chew each other up and attack each other on the same subject, which is what I've been doing for the last couple days. There was a a conversation going on on the website, and the question was, is the resurrection real? And everybody on this site was uh, atheist, and they're arguing over which one of their views is correct. One would take that it wasn't Jesus on the cross, and then another one would tear that apart and says, it can't be that, it's got to be this, and they'd take another point of view. So they're destroying each other's arguments, and it's so fun to watch. And every now and then I'll throw in just a little a little bit for them to start grab a hold of and start arguing about it. And in the end, here's the conversation where it's at right now with them, is even though all of our theories have been disproven, it still makes more sense than the resurrection, which... I'm trying to make heads or tails of that argument, uh, even though all of theirs have been totally disproven. So I'm having some fun with that, and hopefully in the end, in the conversation, I'm going to let them know that after reading everything in their conversation and every point they've made, I'm going to church tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> see what they say about that. Uh, we have two wonderful guests today. Uh, Pastor Max is going to be joining us today. He's going to be talking about the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection, and is it historical? Did it happen? Also joining me today, a very dear friend of mine, a brother of mine, um, Rabbi, Rabbi, not you, Ed. Everyone knows better than that. Rabbi Jerry Weinstein. Uh, we we uh, went to school together for a while. 
We did. And, uh, we did. Welcome, Rabbi, and I'm glad to have you stick along. Uh, I don't know how Ed got you on his show. He's such a heretic, how he could find such a godly man as you to come on his show. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, good to have you on. And, yes, we have uh, we we have Ed from Ypsilanti with his show. You, you guys know what it is if you listen to it. If you don't know the name of his show, well, you're listening to the right one now. Uh, <laughs> Ed from Your American Heritage. How you doing, Ed? I think I'm okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not sure uh, uh, Phil was going to try to join us today. Was he? Is he on? Or I see his picture. Are you there, Phil? Yes, I. <clears throat> yes, I am. And okay. I well, just... you got to clear your throat like you weren't sure. So. <laughs> I can see you now. I can see half of your face. So, very good. Glad you could join us. We are talking today about the resurrection. Is it historical? Did it happen? And what's the purpose of it? So, as usual, when we have Pastor Max on, I will let him give his little lesson. And then we will open that up uh, with discussion with uh, Phil and Ed and and the rabbi, who I'm so delighted to have here with us joining us today. Um, So, why don't you go ahead, Max, say hello and jump into your lesson, and then we'll we'll start talking about it afterwards. It's good to be among my old friends at Wham again. Uh, it's always good to see and hear your voice. Uh, this time of the year, one of the things we want to uh, ask ourselves is, what is the meaning of the resurrection? For one thing. And the second thing is uh, that uh, is there any proof? Do we have any proof that he rose from the dead? And uh, I would just like to tell you ahead of time, there's plenty of proof. Uh, more than the average person might have known. Uh, and if there's time, we'll discuss the proofs of the resurrection. But the First question is, uh, what is the meaning of it? Well, one one meaning that if if Christ rose from the dead, that means he proved his power over death. Now, if he didn't rise from the dead, we'd have no reason to believe that we are going to rise. But now we know he has power over death. So he, he is perfectly able to uh, raise us up. And uh, as we'll see, there's plenty of proof for his resurrection. But uh, it uh, also defines the gospel. The gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 through 8, where Paul says, I have uh, shared with you the gospel which is, and he goes on to explain it's the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. So if somebody says, I believe in Christ, uh, and somebody uh, preached the gospel to me, uh, told me, told me all about Christ. Uh, if he didn't, if he didn't believe in the resurrection, he wasn't saved. The, the scripture is very clear on that. Um, uh, that it says that if you believe that he was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
uh, <clears throat> well, what if you don't? What if you say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in his resurrection? Well, then you can't be saved. And furthermore, there is no gospel without it. To receive the gospel means you have to receive the resurrection also. And if you'll examine every time Peter preached those great sermons in the book of Acts, he always included the gospel in it. And, and there is no gospel without it. And But I'll tell you what, I, don't, I can't think of anything that's better news than that. Uh, the idea of death being extinction nothingness forever you don't exist anymore everything is nothingness for all eternity that is a hard thought and then all of a sudden we come along and we have this gospel where we can live forever again because of the merits of christ jesus that is the gospel. Gospel means good news. And that's good news. Uh, it doesn't get any goodier. But uh, the thing is, uh, what is the evidence for the resurrection of Christ? Let's examine some of them. First of all, we all know that when Paul was talking about the resurrection in chapter 15 of Corinthians, he said, and while he was speaking now, that there were 500 witnesses. And he said, most of them are still alive because this was quite a while after the fact. And uh, he says, most of that 500 are still alive to testify. Now, you only need two or three witnesses, the Bible says, to establish something. And here he has uh, the better part of 5,000. Uh, that's a lot of witnesses, folks. And uh, he, he, when he made that statement, he was ready to, to call on those people if he had to. <clears throat> but uh, so it got around. You had those 500 witnesses, it got around. <clears throat> so there is one of the great proofs that there really was a resurrection. Uh, 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 the proof of all those witnesses. And if we didn't have any more, that, that would be enough. But uh, here's, here's one for you. When Jesus was taken... And uh, the uh, apostles fled. It says they all left him. And they went to the upper room and locked themselves in, and they were frightened. They are scared to death. They thought, we'll be next. And uh, they were very, very troubled. How is it, then, that these same people that were so, so uh, scared wound up being as bold as lions and preached the gospel uh, right after his resurrection. The only thing that could explain that is once they saw the living word, uh, word, when they saw Christ alive after being crucified, then they became bold as lions. Of course, they had the aid of the Holy Spirit along with that. 
<clears throat> but uh, it took the uh, the great witness of of seeing their Lord alive and and well uh, to make them bold. Now, who wouldn't be? Wouldn't you? If your Lord, who you thought was slain, you see him alive and well? Of course. No wonder they had so much courage afterwards. And you watch Peter, and he's preaching the gospel, and they're warning him, saying, don't preach anymore in this man's name. And he says, I'm going to do just what God wants me to do. Uh, and I'm going to preach in his name. He had not one ounce of fear. They could have said, we're going to crucify you tonight. And he wouldn't have been afraid. Uh, so uh, how do we explain uh, the empty tomb? And how do we explain Jesus' skeptical brothers, uh, for example? This should be before the tomb. Uh, they, they even tried to get Jesus killed. They said, why don't you go down? Why don't you go down and, uh, uh, and, and tell everybody down there in Jerusalem, uh, you know, that, you're, that you uh, are who you are. You go down and preach down there. And it was common knowledge that they sought to kill Jesus down in Jerusalem. And here his brothers are trying to get him to go down there to get killed. Why is that? Because he was giving the whole family nothing but trouble, and the and the brothers were were uh, holding it against him. He's trouble for the family, and uh, <clears throat> his brothers, of course, were half brothers. Uh, their father was Joseph. Jesus was virgin born. His father was God. But the point is. What caused his brothers? You know, two of them became apostles or believers. The little book of Jude is one. And then there was uh, James, the apostle James, uh, were his brothers, skeptical brothers, because they saw that their brother raised from the dead. And now they knew he was claimed, he, he was what he claimed to be. You can't have any better proof than that. But to get back to the the empty tomb. Why was the tomb empty? I mean, uh, his dead body should have been in it. And the Jews, if they could only have a body, they could only find a body. Oh, for a body. It would settle everything. Jesus didn't raise. Here's his dead body. Uh, but the body was missing. Uh, when the t women went to the tomb... Uh, angels told them, uh, he's not here. You're seeking the living among the dead. He's not dead. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, later on, of course, he appears to his disciples. He appears to Mary <clears throat> and all of these people. But uh, the empty tomb proves the resurrection. Uh, that's about the best fruit you get because it was empty. The whole world knows it. Uh, what happened to the body? 
So those are just some of the proofs. And uh, there's also some uh, indirect proofs. I wouldn't want to be a, a, a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a scribe on that day because when our Lord died on the cross, it, be, it became dark in the middle of the day when it's supposed to be the brightest. It became dark. And uh, then there was also the... Uh, uh, a mini quake, a little quake uh, there around that whole area. Uh, at the same time, it was dark. And then as if that isn't enough, the veil in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. And that's greatly significant because that means now, now we can go on into the Holy of Holies. We're not restricted. We don't have to have a priest anymore, a human priest. Uh, we can go right in to the Holy of Holies, to the throne of God, because we have a mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I think there's more that can be said about this glorious event. But I think we can open this up to discussion. If you'd like one more thing. Uh, I should deal with first, though, and that's this. It was reported commonly among the Jews that the disciples came and stole the body and uh, to make it look like he rose from the dead. Well, I'd still have to ask what happened to the body, but anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, how could this be? This is a preposterous. Uh, for one thing, they had a guard there, and the word the word you you can have a guard by um, by a pilot. That word in the Greek is custodia. Uh, you can have a custodia. A custodia is sixteen elite guards. You had four to a side. If they were going to guard something, there'd be four to a side. Sixteen. Do you think that the apostles, there's only 11 of them, you think they're going to go and uh, uh, take on the 16 soldiers that were guarding the tomb? Doesn't wash, does it? And it says that, well, they slept. It says they stole the body. Well, wait a minute here. All 16 are going to sleep? Uh, so it, it, just, it just doesn't wash. But any explanation is better than none. And they knew, they knew in their hearts that was a, that was a lie. But they had to have some, some kind of explanation. And we're, we're exposed to that, folks, right now as I speak. Uh, a lot of people have, uh, arguments against Christianity that are just as foolish. They can't prove them, and they don't make any sense. Well, I'll, I'll just open the line now to people who want to discuss it. All right. Thanks a lot. Before we get into discussion, uh, I'm going to ask, uh, Rabbi Jerry, will you, will you uh, pray a blessing upon the show and those listening and our conversation? Of course. <clears throat> Let's pray. 
Our Father, our King, Lord, we just lift up this time to discuss your word, to discuss your resurrection. And we just thank you that you are that final and perfect sacrifice that was necessary. We read in Leviticus that there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. We thank you that through the shedding of your blood, through your death, and through your resurrection, we have the promise of eternal life with you. Thank you for being our Passover lamb that was slain. And thank you that as you have risen to newness of life, so we will also do so in the future. I pray that uh, our discussion today would be meaningful to you, Lord, that uh, those listening would be blessed by it, and that in everything that we say and do and think about, that it be to your glory and yours alone. And I pray this, Hashem Yeshua, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. So, as normal, Pastor Max gave us a lot to discuss. I think one of the things that he hit right on the nail, right on the nail head is kind of how I open it up, is the world is always looking to deny the resurrection. Uh, I find it amazing that uh, an atheist that's well known out there, he, he's on the circuit of going around uh, spewing his atheism. He is also a professor at Princeton, uh, Bart Ehrman. Uh, <laughs> even he makes the, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. He, Former he, Moody, he, Moody alumni, actually, there back back yeah, in the day. He went to Moody. He went to uh, he went to uh, the other one um, out by Chicago. Wheaton, uh, Wheaton for, I think. Wheaton, yes, he went to yep. Wheaton, and then he went to Princeton, and then uh, well, went downhill from there for him. But he's an atheist. But even he had to come out, and he upset so many people on the left. Even he had to come out and say, "You cannot deny Jesus, the historical Jesus that he existed, because he did." All history has proven it. He says you can't deny the you can't deny the crucifixion. He even will say you can't deny that something happened that that su Sunday morning, that first day of the week. He won't say it's the resurrection. You just say something happened. But he, I have not found him to actually take one firm view or another because he knows they can all be ripped up. As this crew that I'm debating or that they're debating each other uh, has found out, is there is no strong answer against the the resurrection matter of fact history sticks with it look at how this one event think of this this one event changed the face of this world the resurrection of jesus christ that has that has seeped into every culture it's there the gospel is there one way shape form or another you can't find any other single event in history that impacted the world like that resurrection. Isn't that right, Ed? That's absolutely right. And I'm so glad we're talking about the res resurrection because I hope that we get it into the second half of my show, which covered the, the crucifixion. So I'm glad we're talking about the resurrection here. And Pastor Max brought up uh, Corinthians um, chapter 15. And so there's a number of first Corinthians chapter 15. I knew there was a one in there somewhere. And there was a, you know, there's, there's like, <laughs> there's actually these different variations of the argument, and you kind of went over them. One is, well, was he really crucified? And then, did he really, was he really raised from the dead? And then, was there, was there really a Jesus? And to be a Christian and not to believe in the resurrection, Paul pretty much summed that up and said, well, we'd be the most miserable of men 
You know, I mean, what are we doing all this for if there's no resurrection? Where's the authority of this oh. Jesus who said he would rise from the dead? Why would we believe that he's a, a a really good holy man with some wisdom if we don't believe that he did what he said he'd do? And, you know, and he prophesied it himself. It's like you do the Houdini thing, right? You say, hey, I'm going to get out of that uh, that uh, box under the Detroit River. And if you don't do it, well, hey, you know, nice knowing you. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later if we have time of what he's talking about there. I, I think I, I think uh, Ed's been smoking too much peyote. I don't know what he's talking about. It's <laughs> <laughs> meant like Houdini did that. Well, oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, we'll get into that some other day. Uh, Rabbi, you brought up in in your blessing Leviticus mm-hmm. and the fact that a blood sacrifice is needed. Can we get into that after this break? Of course. All right. Pastor Richard Dietering on WAM. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but once again, in the meantime, I am Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Cleveland Indians 3-2 in their regular season opener this past Thursday. Tigers first baseman Miguel Cabrera crushed a two-run homer in the first inning. Cabrera's teammate Jacoby Jones doubled to plate Victor Reyes in the second inning. Detroit starting pitcher Matt Boyd pitched a solid game, as evidenced by his no runs allowed on three hits, two strikeouts, and four walks, and in five and two-thirds innings of work. Tigers relievers Jose Cisnero and Daniel Norris combined for two and a third scoreless innings, but Detroit closer Gregory Soto gave up a two-run bomb in the ninth inning with one out. Soto induced a ground out and a fly out to two of the next three batters to seal the Tigers' win. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And welcome back. Uh, have some great guests with us today. We had Pastor Max who talked about the importance of the resurrection and how do we know it's true. We have a uh, uh, Rabbi Jerry Weinstein, who I went to school with. Uh, I think you started, uh, Rabbi, uh, I think you started about your first year was there about my last year, if I remember right. About, I think I think we had like a one or two year overlap, if I remember right. Yeah. And uh, we went there when they had, uh, it took 15 weeks to get it through a three hour course. And we had great professors that we all loved and everything else. And it, the school's not the same. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, but uh, um and you had to that, walk both ways through the snow uphill, right? Yes, and when there was a tornado, we just got there quicker. And <laughs> but uh, um, you made a mention in, in the blessing uh, that I that you prayed beforehand about Leviticus and the importance of a blood sacrifice. And so I'm going to just kind of like uh, turn it over to you for a little bit, Rabbi, and explain that to us. Right. So we read in Leviticus 17:11 that for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And so the Lord, when he gave the Jewish people the Mosaic Covenant, and even before that, we see that the importance of, at that time, animal sacrifices was uh, given by the Lord as a way to cover for unintentional sins. There was actually no sacrifice in the Mosaic Covenant for a intentional sin. And the principle for this is 
life transfer principle is given to us in Leviticus 17.11. And so this is part of the reason why people ask, you know, why did Jesus have to die for my sins? Why, why was this necessary? And it was necessary because of this life transfer principle, this idea of atonement through blood sacrifice. And, you know, the animals that were offered were unblemished. It could be lambs, different sacrifices called for different animals. And based on how much money you had, sometimes it was doves, sometimes it was lambs. But all the animals being sacrificed had to be inspected. They had to be pure. They had to have no defects whatsoever. And we see the same thing with the Messiah. That's why he, the Messiah, Jesus, had to be sinless. If he had sin, he would be with defect. He could not atone for anybody. And even if there was a perfect human being that died, let's say me or you, Rick, Pastor Rick, the most we could ever atone for is one single person because we're one single person. But Messiah, this goes back to why was the Messiah the Son of God? Why is he more than just a man or a good man or a teacher or a rabbi? Is because he is fully God and fully man, he was able to lay down his life once, unlike all the other sacrifices. And the book of Hebrews, the letter written literally to Jewish believers, talks about this in great detail in Hebrews 9, I believe. But it talks about how uh, the sacrifices in the Old Covenant, in the Mosaic Covenant, were offered year after year, day after day. But Messiah, because he was perfect and the sinless Son of God, laid down his life once to satisfy the need for all of us, all of our sins. He satisfied the requirements that God had for every single human being, both before and after him, across all time. And he could only do that because he was the sinless Son of God. And so... Again, going back to the resurrection, the reason why did why did the Messiah rise? He rose because death could not hold him, Scripture says. Why could death not hold him? Because he was sinless. And so because he was sinless, death had no hold over him, and so he rose. And thus we rise with him in newness of life through his sacrifice. Amen. You said a very important part there when quoting Hebrews. He died once and for all, Right. Yes, I, I, I want to bring this up because there are some faiths that want to re-crucify him every Sunday and put him <laughs> back up on the cross every Sunday. But uh, he died once and for all. And uh, we are atoned and we we look at his resurrection as that gives us so much hope, doesn't it? I mean, can we have that, any that, more hope than his that resurrection? That is the basis for our hope. Yeah. Go ahead, Ed. You look you look like you're really bored listening to the rabbi. I was totally enthralled with the rabbi, but Ed, oh. Ed he uh, he he falls asleep easy. I, <laughs> I'm just oh, man, you just come you. out of here and you're yeah. just punching bag. Huh, Ed, you need to bring him on your show and like rough him up a bit too. <laughs> he tried that once. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. I think it's pretty interesting. We're talking about the resurrection, and I think it's pretty interesting talking about. Well, we were looking at First uh, Corinthians uh, 15. And it talks about our resurrection, you know, so it talks about Jesus's resurrection and then kind of like, well, what can we expect? And the discussion is, well, you know, are we going to come out like we went in? And Paul pretty much puts a puts a kibosh on that. I don't know if that's a Jewish term, kibosh, but he puts the kibosh on that and says, no, no, you don't bury a seed expecting to get a seed back. You expect to get something much bigger than the seed back. So you put an ear a a piece of corn in there and you're going to get a huge plant back and he goes on to say you know that the corruptible 
cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You know, this this body is corruptible. The kingdom of God needs the incorruptible. We're going to get something really far out fantastic that we have no idea of of what our bodies are going to be like. Similarly, they're going to be like Jesus in a sense, you know, a walk through walls. You know, uh, to me, I think we're going to teleport. I have no idea. I could be wrong there. But frankly, we're going to be no more pain. We're going to be able to do whatever God wants us to do in this universe without the hindrance of sin weighting us down. You know, you, you bring up a, a, an interesting point uh, that we are going to have a glorified body. It's not going to be what we're stuck in. And we have the proof of that. May I point out that when Jesus came back that resurrection morning, it took Mary a, a little bit to realize that was Jesus she was talking to. It finally took him to say, Mary, oh, Rabbi, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so there are going to be some changes within us in our new resurrection body. But the one one big point I want to point out, Max and uh, Pastor Max and, and Rabbi Jerry, you can both comment. The the idea of resurrection is not just a New Testament concept construct. We see the idea of the resurrection in the Old Testament. This is why we had the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were just sad, you see. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, the Pharisees they, before, yeah. But, no, that, that, that joke's older than both of us combined. <laughs> yeah, all of us combined. Um, but uh, the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection because they had scriptural reason to believe in it. Isn't that correct? Matt? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you want me to tackle that first, what? I can yes. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so this is the idea. This is, you know, when they get into the debates, right, the, the Sadducees uh, and the Pharisees, the belief of the resurrection is what divided them, that all people be resurrected. Uh, they would get into these these discussions and debates, and so there's there's Talmudic discussion on this. I don't have any like references here in front of me. I believe, and I was actually racing to get to this, and I didn't get to it fast enough. But I believe, I think Edersheim in, in Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah uh, talks about the Jewish view on the resurrection. But uh, that's uh, that's all I'll say for this moment. And I don't know if Pastor wants to jump in and add anything. No. Well, let me then. We, all we right. The, the book of Job, which was an ancient book. It was actually written before before the Torah is the oldest religious writing we have in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Even Job talks about the resurrection. He says, in this body, I will see the Lord. You know, he, he speaks about the resurrection. So, I mean, the whole concept is not just a New Testament construct. It's a debate that went back in Jewish faith a long time, as you were pointing out there, Rabbi and, and Ed, um, that it, it goes back, and this is why we see the division in the Jewish faith system, even at the time of Jesus, one based on a resurrection of, of, of everyone, or one doesn't believe in that. Go ahead, Ed. I can't hear you, Ed. Ed, you're muted. We lost you. Oh, man. So anyway, oh, we you now. we're good now. Yeah. Rabbi Jerry was mentioning the life and times of, of uh, uh, Jesus, the Messiah by Edersheim. I highly, highly recommend if anybody has any interest in, in in seeing what Christianity, what Jesus's walk was like through Jewish eyes. There's that or there's the short version, which I believe is an abridged version just called 
uh, Jesus the Messiah, or there's the big one. And they, they're both available free on the Internet as PDFs now. I, I bought the book. It's a wonderful reference point for just going through and seeing all the things. It's such an eye-opener to me what ha- what Jesus was saying and what it really meant in the con- context of Jewish life. Yeah, uh, I would state that it's very important to really understand the, the culture of Jesus' time, to understand a lot of what Jesus was saying. I think it's very important to understand the cultures and what he was living in, to make sense out of what he was saying and how the people he was teaching to would understand what he was saying. There is a reason why the Pharisees wanted him dead. He was claiming to be more than just a good teacher. When he said, before Abraham was, I am, they knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying that he is God, and the Pharisees did not like that. They went, that's blasphemy, we must stone him, we must kill him. When you hear these calls saying Jesus never said he was God, he most certainly did right there with the Pharisees when they wanted to stone him to death for saying that he was the I am. Oh, yeah, they knew exactly what he was referring to. And again, this is the importance of understanding Jewish culture. You know, we get into these sort of, in our context today, you know, not to distract too much, but we get into these arguments of, you know, Jesus never said anything directly about uh, homosexuality, therefore he was fine with it. You know, when he refers to sexual immorality, he's referring to the Jewish understanding of that, which obviously encompasses uh, that issue as well as others. You know, he doesn't have to mm-hmm. name down everything on the list. But again, it's it's understanding that, there's there's a there's a Jewish discussion happening here, a first century Jewish discussion, and the gospel writers assume that their audiences, for the most part, except for perhaps Matthew's, um, is assuming that their uh, uh, their audiences uh, understand what's going on here. Yeah, and, and I, I have to say this, um, I, I I tease and back and forth with Ed a lot. I, I, this is off subject, but I have to say this. This is all of a sudden my heart to say this. Um, I love Ed. Just so people know that. I love Ed like a brother. I would take a bullet for Ed. I would even let Ed take a bullet for me. You know, we have that kind of relationship. So, um, to love me. That's the only reason. Let's just be honest here. What's that? Jesus said you had to love me. That's, let's just be honest. You know, whatever the reason is, just know that I have to. Okay. Hey, you know, I want to bring up resurrection because Jesus raised, well, Jesus was notified about Lazarus' death, you know, mm-hmm. and he was it Mary he talked to and, and she said, you know, he said, do you believe in the resurrection? And he said, I am the resurrection. And there was something I there was some rabbi I was listening to last year, the year before, and he was talking about Lazarus. And he said that Lazarus, Jesus allowed Lazarus to die and then he basically dilly-dallied around and waited the three days before he came he back came. on the fourth day. Exactly. And there was a reason for that, and that there was a Jewish tradition that it's kind of easy to read. Like, like uh, what's this, Max, Miracle Max in uh, Princess Bride, <laughs> oh, mostly dead, you know? And mm-hmm. so if you went three days... Then, well, sorry, Jerry, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, I would say that you're correct. I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah, it's a Jewish understanding that if it, the fourth day, it's it's beyond certainty that he is dead. Yeah. Like there is. Let me comment on that, please. Uh, there's a, there was a belief back at that time that the spirit kind of hovered over the body for three days. 
And uh, this is part of the reason why they brought, brought in uh, hired mourners and everything else uh, uh, to just make this big spectacle because the spirit was apparently hovering over the body. They, the person was mostly dead. But on the fourth day, you begin to stinketh, as the King James says. You well, know, we've, seen that we've seen that happen in Western civilization where they put bells that went down to the coffin. So you could ring a bell if you woke up in the coffin, you know, so they could unbury you. But in, in Lazarus' case... You know, he stinketh. And yet Jesus raised him from the dead. And then Jesus said, I am the resurrection. What is the what does that mean? I, I mean, I know roughly what that means. But is there something more involved in that when he says, I am the resurrection? I think anytime he he brings out that I am so sternly, like I am the resurrection before Abraham was, I am. You see that I am throughout the Gospel of John. He's, he's definitely making a statement of who he is. He is the God of Moses. He is the I am that was in the burning bush. That is who Jesus is. He is the I am. He's the I am that was in the pillar of fire and uh, in the cloud of smoke. He is the I am in the burning bush. He is the I am that parted the Red Sea. He is the I am that, that brought the, get this, he brought, he not only is he the I am that brought the, the plagues amongst Egypt, including the Passover, he is also, he is also, get this, he's also the sacrificial lamb. I find that amazing. Absolutely. You know, and just to add on to your comments there, you know, there's, I believe, if, uh, seven I am statements. And this is, I think, uh, in the middle there. I think it's the fourth or the fifth one. I think it's the fifth one. And again, the, you know, the idea is, is you know, Mary, uh, Lazarus, I'm sorry, Martha's sister, Martha, the sister of, uh, Lazarus basically believes that Jesus is too late, right? Uh, the resurrection she's referring to is the resurrection at the end of days. Basically, Lazarus is gone, and I have no hope of seeing him again until that day comes. And when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he's saying, you're no, you know, you're not waiting until the end of days. I am the source of both, right? I am life. I am the source of resurrection power. And so he's basically telling her some, a miracle is about to happen. Have faith, and of course, then he performs the miracle. Again, this is when you know I, I think of um, uh, John the Baptist's disciples, right? Where when John, when they come to Jesus' disciples, and Jesus say, "Are you know?" John's wondering, "Are you really the Messiah?" And what does he say? Tell them what you're seeing. That the dead, and one of the things he says, right, is the dead are being raised back to life. You know, Look resurrection the of the, of the dead is a very rare miracle. Uh, Elijah, I think it's Elisha. No, Elijah um, does it once. But there are very few instances in Scripture where anybody is ever raised from the dead by a prophet. Uh, the fact that Jesus was going around doing this in such frequency, you know, more than once, again, with all the other miracles he was performing, was proof of his uh, messiahship, proof that he really was the Son of God. We as Christians, someone said to this, because I uh, last last Sunday, actually, instead of the triumphal entry, I talked about his entry into to the beautiful city of Nain. And... Uh, where he resurrected the widow's son and she's facing a whole lot of problems because she doesn't have anyone to take care of her he comes along he tells her not to weep and he raises her son and someone after that service came up and says you know we as christians we accept the resurrection without even thinking about it we we accept someone coming up from the dead without even blinking or a concern about that but think about what they are seeing this is not something that they would normally see back then and all of a sudden he's dead and He's brought back to life. 
I mean, today we understand what death is, the decaying of skin and tissue and everything else, and that's breaking down and then to be brought back to life. That is awesome. And, and it had to be even that much more awesome because today we accept it without even thinking about it. Back then, they see, here's this widow who says, how am I going to make a living? I have no one to take care of me. I'm, I'm destitute. I mean, they're going to have to go into uh, a job that could get me stoned to death or I'm going to have to start begging or something. Uh, I have no way to take care of. My son is dead. My husband is dead. I have nothing. And Jesus says, don't weep. And raises her son and answers all of her. All of her cares are answered right there. What am I going to do? My son is dead. And he brings his son back to life. He is the resurrection. And uh, we should not marvel that he can bring people back to life, especially when it comes to our own resurrection. We've seen where he's able to. But I want to I, I, I always wonder about this. Here is poor Lazarus. He's four days into the grave. He is he is in he is he is in Hades. On the good side, he's in Abraham's bosom. He's sitting at the table with Abraham. He's having a nice fellowship with Abraham and the prophets. And all of a sudden, he hears, Lazarus. <laughs> what? Come forth. Oh, man. I don't want to go back. <laughs> I don't want to go back. And But he comes forward stinking, <laughs> all right, knowing he needs, needs a bath. He comes forward, uh, you know, with his body binding on out of this out of this grave. I mean, what a power to have over death that our Messiah has over death. You know, it's just. Well, I think he was an unhappy man back on the earth because he was looked upon as a freak, you know. And you can imagine how many people asking him, what's it like to be dead? And, and uh, all <laughs> that, probably got sick and tired of it. He made all the talk shows. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got a few minutes left. I'm going to just go around the table. Any final comments? Start with you, Pastor Max. Any final comments uh, before we end our show? No, except uh, an, uh, another interesting feature to all of this is the debar that we see in Genesis 15. The debar was pre pre uh, pre incarnate Christ uh, came to the came to Abraham. Okay. There's theophanies all over the place where Christ all right. involved in that. Yep. Ed? Well, I'm, I'm thinking back to Lazarus again and having been raised from the dead. And this is like probably the most spectacular thing that Jesus has done. And it precedes, precedes by just a few days of him going into Jerusalem and then being hailed as king. And then a few days later, he's crucified. And then a few days after that, He's raised from the dead himself. I think it's it's quite the interesting calling card that he shows so distinctly that I can raise somebody from the dead, and then he himself just days later is raised from the dead. He's proving it can be done just before he does it himself. Okay. And Rabbi, before I let you talk, I, Ed, you're going to have to get me his information. I, it was such a blessing to see who you had on your show today. Uh, very, very, uh, very close to my heart. He, Rabbi and I have had many, many conversations. Uh, oh, yes. Hours in Dr. Mayhew's classrooms. Yep. Uh, you, you and I worked on a bunch of uh, commentaries together. I think you were on the Genesis Project. You were. Uh, uh, I think I was on the. I think I was on the Chronicles Project. Chronicles Project. That's Star Trek for the Genesis Project. Uh, that was one of Dr. Mayhew's. Dr. Mayhew. They're still in the works. Stuff, then. 
<laughs> yep. And uh, so we'll get going on that. Any closing comments before we go? No, other than I guess I guess well I guess I do I should say no. Uh, I guess my just my closing comment would be you know if 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 anybody's listening to this today and you know you haven't put your faith in Jesus of Nazareth Yeshua the Messiah you know I would really encourage you to look into these things for yourself. You know our faith is not a matter of of blindness. You know things like uh, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ. Uh, if you want something from a Jewish perspective, Dr. Michael Brown's Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus, anything by Dr. Michael Brown, at least when it comes to the historicity of, of Jesus and the Bible, is uh, very solid. And so I would just encourage you to look into these things, look into these proofs yourself. And if you are a believer, that you should be acquainted with, with Scripture enough that you can articulate these things we're talking about with other people as well. All right. Uh, during this during this message, what you may have noticed is I never once used the word, except for right now, I never use the word Easter. I don't like that term. I don't like the connotations of where it came from. I, I prefer the term Resurrection Sunday. And so, and the reason is, even the Greeks, they don't they don't say Happy Easter. What they say is, uh, they they say Christ has risen, right? And on Christmas, they. They they don't they don't say Merry Christmas because while they don't celebrate the Mass like the Catholic Church does, they say celebrate the birth of Christ. So, you know, uh, Christ is risen, Amen. And I think that's what we need to celebrate. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, Amen. And uh, I want to again thank all of our guests. And I know we're coming close to the end of time. How much time do we have there, Derek? Thirty seconds. <laughs> Folks, I love you all. Christ is risen. Amen. And I'll see you next Saturday, Lord willing, on A Moment of Clarity. been listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your host pastor richard dietering be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 